0: wa rahmatullah guys. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Welcome to the first episode of the Creator's Block. Yeah, done. No, I'm
1: here with our producer and co-host, Mr. Amin Habib. How are you, Mr. Amin Habib? I'm. I'm not too bad. I'm not really much of a producer. I think I just got like given the title. Given the title. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I, I mean, literally messaged to I him. I mean,
0: I mean, the support. The support is what yeah. encouraged me to go forward with this. So, yeah. and you're hosting me. In your... My lovely bedroom of size. Your lovely bedroom slash studio, so... Yeah, of a two like, by two great. centimetre size. <laughs> two by two centimetre, you know. You can't buy... Vi- <laughs> How are you going to buy it yourself on mine? worry, it's all good. I can it's buy it myself, f- but I can't let others... Okay, okay. I, uh, so, I'm not allowed to, yeah? No. Okay, so... Mr. Diamond, should we do introductions? Because people are probably thinking, I know your names, but who the hell are you guys?
1: Yeah, you go ahead, you're the main guy.
0: Okay, so... My name is... Tuhin or two, Ahmed, surname is Ahmed, Uh, you might know me as Le Urban Alpinist or The Urban Alpinist for those of you who aren't as bourgeois as me out here, Uh, (laughs) for the clout bro, Um, so I'm a film student, I'm in my first year
1: and Mr. Habib here used to be my... Actually, I used to be an academic tutor. Academic
0: yeah. tutor. Yeah, yeah. How did my grades go?
1: Yeah, I, the podcast about creativity not about academia. So, <laughs> I clearly, you know where that I think, I think there's a reason why I went for film in the end. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Uh, Alhamdulillah. First episode. Um, so, what I wanted to do this episode is obviously... Oh, yeah. I forgot
1: to introduce myself. You oh, know, yeah. Mr. You know, Amin. Sorry. Please, go ahead. So, my name is uh, Amin Habib. Um, I am a medical student. And I yes like to and said I was his tutor back in when he was in college yeah uh, I taught him biology and chemistry yeah. And I flopped both <laughs> like, The viewers don't need to know the <laughs> listeners don't need to know It wasn't let's let's just say it wasn't for lack
0: of uh, Mr. Amin's teaching abilities he was an excellent teacher
1: mm-hmm. I mean of course like students have different strengths you know like the education system we could talk about the faults of it for a long time. I mean, I mean, like I everybody's made to claim, climb the same tree. I I mean, you've seen that graphic image of a, the a tree, goldfish, and then you have a goldfish, yeah. a monkey, and a dog, and they're all expected to climb the same tree. So clearly, I, you. Are I'm. The I'm goldfish. the
0: goldfish. Yeah. Yeah. I That's was like, having f- f- call
1: f- you a dog. Well, goldfish. if you did, I would have had to lock this
0: whole podcast off. <laughs> <laughs> Just cancel that. Um, okay. But, e- enough of our musings. Okay, so what I wanted to do is talk to you guys a bit about why i chose to study film um now given i'm of bangladeshi descent i am from a muslim family film isn't something that you know you'd be conventionally allowed i would say allowed would you say allowed to study i feel like a lot of people are prevented from doing so i wouldn't say they're physically prevented but i think it's a social it's an unspoken it's a taboo basically yeah it is a taboo so alhamdulillah Uh, All praise to God that means, for those of you who aren't Muslim out there. Um, My family are very forward-thinking and very accepting of what I wanted to do. Um, And generally, they don't tend to follow the conventions which are set by, you know, the Asian society or the Muslim community. Even, you know, sometimes conventions don't adhere to Islam, but it's still a Muslim community convention. So my journey with creativity initially began with when I started crane climbing and I was about 15 years of age when I started. So, you know, I started doing this new exciting thing, the adrenaline, I was loving it because you know me, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm I, an adrenaline. I remember, I,
1: I, I, let, me, let me narrate some of this. So I remember it was, the first few sessions I, re- I tutored you, it was um, standard student teacher relationship at the beginning very informal, formal and yeah everything. and then at some point i thought he he saw something in me and he just wanted to crack some banter so he cracked some banter i reciprocated the banter and then and then my mom asked why we're wasting time that she's <laughs> paying for <laughs> obviously i made up that time i stayed extra um and then he showed me he was like don't don't tell my sister this and i was like okay <laughs> like i thought it was gonna be like something dodgy <laughs> And then he showed me pictures of him on top of buildings and on top of cranes at a crazy height. I was like, wow, this is quite magical. (laughs) I actually... This is the first climber slash parkour person that I've met in the flesh. Or know, personally. So, yeah. yeah. That trust was there.
0: When he reciprocated the banter, I thought, you know what? This is an A1 act right here. So, (laughs) I'm going to enlighten him about my extracurricular activities. Now he's going to clock while I'm flopping all my subjects. So, yeah. I mean... um generally speaking I just love adrenaline fueled activities. It's, it's my jam that's how I, that's how I get my high um, but crane climbing for me in particular was something therapeutic so it' was something I'd repeatedly do. There's something about when you're up there you're looking at the whole of London, you realize how small and insignificant you are in the grand scheme of things and just seeing the beauty of London which typically you know for us living here we don't tend to appreciate where mm. we live. So being able to see it from a fresh perspective, it renewed my sort of love for the place where I live. Mm -hmm. And I feel like your attitude towards where you live plays a big factor when it comes to your day-to-day life. It could either make it gloom and doom commute or, Mm -hmm. wow, there's loads of new things to see out here. So anyways, I started exploring more and more and I got into the urbex community, which is urban exploration. And that included uh, visiting abandoned factories in Greenwich and stuff. Um, which was something that I didn't share because technically that's something you could get yeah. luck off for. So yeah. I didn't share any of that. But um, I mean, the more and more I started to climb, I used to think, you know what, I need to actually document this. So I started borrowing cameras from friends. I borrowed GoPros. I started actually recording. People at school went crazy for it. Yeah, I realised yeah. it's something that could get it's, me it's clout. A, it's a cool hobby because no one else can do it. And especially in college, when I was a gassed up you looking for clout, I thought, yeah, yeah this is it. I'm going to keep doing this yeah. for this reason. And I sort of fell out of love with the whole actual climbing. And you just wanted clout. And I just wanted the... Because you basically a yeah. Twitter head. Trust me, person. trust me. But okay. I, I wasn't on Twitter back then, still. Should have been. <laughs> could have been. Would have <laughs> been. Uh, but, hey, just done, it. Anyways... Eventually, you know, one of my close friends, Hamza, shout out Hamza, man he like. man like Dunno, he um started to suggest, why don't you, like do it properly? I'll mm-hmm. come, I'll help you. We did, I think, one climb together, and then he got too shook. He couldn't, co- he couldn't continue, but he proper gave me an insight into how to use DSLRs, how to you know, um, exhibit topping as best as I could. I never knew about interchangeable lenses and stuff like that. He lent me his camera, his Olympus. I teethed that for like a year still. Sorry about that, Hamza. Don't um, turn it, on. <laughs> yeah, trust me. He was he was done with me after that. He doesn't lend me nothing no more. Also, his bike. You guys don't need to know about that. But Hamza, I apologise about the bike. I'll tell you about it later. Sure, fucking you. Um, so, yeah, eventually I decided... You know what? I love this. I started watching more and more YouTubers who documented it. And then I just got into YouTube in general. It wasn't something I particularly spent time on, although I knew my peers did. Then I started watching YouTubers like Casey Neistat, so on and so forth. Do you know Casey Neistat?
1: I haven't heard of the person. You haven't heard
0: of Casey Neistat? No. Casey Neistat was one of the biggest, most pivotal influences for me as a creative. He started a daily vlog series okay. and the way he did it, the way he planned it, the way he thought about it, it's like every day of his life was a movie. And the guy's so busy. If any of you know Casey, this guy's always abroad, always shooting some sort of commercial, this, that, the other. He's okay. Don't slate me if you're a Casey Neistat fan to date, but I think he's fallen off recently because his vlogs ran out of originality. The originality is what made him so good. But I started watching him and then I was like, yeah, that's it. I want to be a YouTuber. <laughs> so my thought was I'd be a YouTuber.
1: Like every other person. Like, like
0: every other teenage, uh, every other 16 year old. Trying to make out the block. Trying to make it out the hood. Man's from Watford still, which isn't the hood. But yeah, out the hood and that. Um, but then as I matured, I started to realise the importance of film. How rich film was as a medium to communicate ideas. Um, I was mentioning to you earlier, film, I believe, is the currency for intellectual debate. And what I mean by this is, say we watch a film, Get Out is the example yeah, you spoke about. It example, yeah. So say me and Amin watched Get Out, me and myself as an Asian, Amin himself as a as a black, man. As a black British man we're going to view the film differently. Maybe mm-hmm. I won't pick up on certain subtleties that Amin would have. And we can discuss what we understood from the movie. And mm. as a result it becomes a tool for
1: education. Yeah, and I find with that film, I mean of course everyone enjoyed the banterous gifts that came out of it, of the guy running Yeah, and obviously the the guy's uh, eye, eyeballs almost popping out, the <laughs> shock of the uh, woman in the house and things like that. But a lot of messages that come from that film, a lot of the I wouldn't say subliminal, but more moral-based messages that came out of it, such as you know the fascination for for black people and black culture, just the common disregard for um, racist comments that are made, but they're made, dehumanizing blacks exactly. But they're, they're made they're they're told in such a way that. You're not even realizing what you're saying is wrong. Yeah. Like the film brought out all of this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I also watched Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. Um Again, another film just like that. I'm yet to watch that. Yeah, that's a very good film, Black Klansman. Yeah. Um, more historical uh, than it is, I would say, um, societal sort of. I don't have a good word for it, but it's more of a historical thing, uh, film. that again, it drives home your point that film does teach you. It's not just for entertainment purely, it can be. Um, but it's, it can teach you a lot Yeah, of I mean, ultimately,
0: I think film is a commodity, end of the day, whether it's woke or not. And for those, obviously, this is a podcast, so I did uh, little, parentheses. little parentheses. Um, so it is still a commodity, whether it's woke or not. But the ability that film has to change your worldview, to put a shift in what you believe, your deep-held beliefs, Film doesn't require much participation on the part of the viewer. For example, if I was to pick up a book, it'd take time, it'd take effort. I'd have to reflect on what I'm reading. I'd have to understand. I'd have to take it in. Film as a visual and audible medium, I don't need to do any of that. I can skip all of that. I can go into a cinema. I can watch an hour and a half movie. Let's take an example. Harry Potter.
1: Yeah, Harry Potter is a good example. Yeah.
0: A book. The books will take me months to finish if I'm reading at average pace and I'm going about my daily life I'm talking Mm -hmm. myself as a uni student with two jobs so on so forth yeah whereas I can just bang out the movies in the course of a week that's it I I know the story of Harry Potter from start to finish
1: film clearly has advantages I mean I'd be careful about disparaging books too much though yeah no
0: this isn't me slating books I'm just saying it's a lot easier
1: it's easier to consume well, yeah, I mean, exactly. we do live in a more consumer society, mm. so the need for film is greater than books these days.
0: And I mean, personally, I believe the older you get, the more you realize the importance of reading. Yeah, I, but I honestly. It's just reading. making time for it is, that is difficult.
1: True. And that's why podcasts and and audible books, even Amazon Audible, for example, mm. these things, reading a book, uh, someone reading a book to you, and you're listening to it on your commute. Yeah. Um, It's so much easier than reading a full-length book. I was talking
0: to Faisal Chowdhury about this the other day. Um, So we just finished the episode of Freshly Grounded and he was telling me how he just struggles to read in general. But he's been (laughs) interested in Stoicism recently. Okay. You know what Stoicism is, right?
1: Should we explain for the viewers? So
0: Stoicism is essentially understanding that Pain is a part of life and you just have to weather the storm and it's developing you as an individual. Um, so he was just telling me he was struggling to read. All of a sudden he got audible. Now he's doing like two books in a month, which is amazing. Is- but <laughs> but this is the point I'm going to make. If I was to, I don't know, find a documentary about stoicism, mm-hmm. probably last an hour, hour and a half. I'll probably learn as much as I would from the book. Maybe not in as much depth, maybe more to a basic degree, but i learn as much as the book covers in the
1: hour and a half. Yeah, you could. you could. you could, could. I still think reading is, as, as a gold standard, reading is the ultimate form of, of taking in content. I
0: always get into beef with people who love reading. You know that? I always okay. get into beef. Because I'm like, nah, film fan. They're like, nah, books. But okay. Is the gold slant. I'd agree with that point, but that being said, I don't think everyone would indulge in a good half an hour read before they go night night.
1: You read on a commute, read, you know, for leisure. Reading isn't just for traveling, reading is also for, you know, pleasure. You derive pleasure from reading.
0: Okay, um, at the turn of the 20th century, film started to pick up pace, right? Mm-hmm. So, Now that I'm a film student, we have to study the history of them. So in the 20th century, it started picking up pace. And at that time, slavery, um, diversity in the West, these were things that, you know, slavery still existed. Diversity in the West was limited. Film was very much exclusive to white Europeans and, you know, white Americans, so on and so forth. Um, So what you would say, the colonial powers. Yeah? Yeah. So what they did is they controlled the narrative of what society held belief-wise, and this is what we touched upon earlier—the yeah. ability to shape minds. So they shaped people's identity, their deep-held beliefs,
1: their moral responsibility, all of this through film. I mean, the first, the first thing any colonial power would do when they go to another country is to reform the education system and mold it in a way that they want, because they know the current generation that they've kind of moved into are lost. You know, they're entrenched in their beliefs ideologies and so on and the best thing you can do is work on the upcoming generation and the upcoming generation will essentially do the work for you corrupt them and your
0: job's done exactly but what tend to happen is because film was easily accessible it became a tool for education like you've mentioned yeah so as a result blackface things like that came about even in the 1900s, blackface was still about... There was an actor called Stephen Fetchett. He was the first sort of black man on screen. And he used to portray, you know, the stereotypical black guy. Lazy, obedient... Uh, Obese. You know. No, okay. obedient. Obedient, okay. Uh, intellectually inferior, so on and yeah, so forth. Yeah, standard, yeah. um, he's a sellout to black people. Yeah. Um, but they were still controlling what people believed while the civil movement was going on, which is crazy, because, yeah. you know, you were talking about black Klansmen. Yeah. There were still organisations like the KKK about, yeah, and yeah. They, one of their films, Birth of a Nation, actually was a blockbuster, and it promoted white supremacy. Yeah. So, as we saw, over time, black production companies started to come about, and they started doing their own films for their communities, Eventually, the white companies realised black people have stopped watching our movies. Then they wanted to capitalise on the black community. So they made movies specifically for black people. But in favour of the black man's narrative. Still biased, but in favour of them slightly more now. There's just always a trade-off. For example, um, if you watch any Denzel Washington film, even today, up until, say, Fences period, right? They'd portray him as cool. And you'd think, oh, this black guy's really cool. But there'd be some element of virtue removed from him. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. They always remove some elements of what is good or deemed a white quality from black people. So, for example, being wise or being... For example...
1: Law-abiding. Law-abiding. That's a big one.
0: So they'll portray the black man as cool, as hip, but he breaks the law in order to be cool. Yeah. So there's still some sort of subliminal narrative in this day and age. Anyways, us minorities, given we never had access to the visual medium, to visual arts. Now that we do, I feel it's incumbent upon us to try and shape that narrative. And particularly for myself as a Muslim. The moment I decided, that's it, I'm studying film. I was at a Muslim engagement and development conference. MEND. 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 MEND.org. Check them out, guys. So they raise um sort of awareness around islamophobia and issues
1: yeah political lobbying for for muslims and
0: just in general um, political engagement so i was at one of the conferences and one of the speakers was tarek ramadan amazing amazing guy um
1: and he was just talking and just just a quick plug in um if everyone if anyone doesn't know about the tarek ramadan case do look it up um he's currently being incarcerated by the um, french authorities and it's a quite a brutal incarceration that's going under, so do look into it. Um, you know, ask a lot to release him as soon as possible. And to help him out. I um, mean, um, that was a good Shama. plug, bro. Thank you. That was a sick
0: plug. I got, I got, I got to ha- shake your hand for that plug. Cheers, mate. Done, no. Um, utilizing the plugs for goodness and that, not for clout. Anyways, he was talking about how we tend to take a victim stance in terms of the media narrative. We'd rather, you know, cry wolf as opposed to do something about it. So we need to be the authors of our own narrative. We need to get involved. Mm. I myself, I understand I'm a tiny speck in a sea in terms of entering the media industry. But what I'm hoping is, you know, through this podcast, through my efforts in the professional industry, I can create a snowball effect and inshallah influence others. To control their narrative. Whether you're Muslim or you're non-Muslim. If you're black, I want you to control the narrative about blacks. If you're, uh, you know, Far Eastern, control your narrative. Be the master of your own narrative. We need to be responsible for our own communities when it comes to every, you know, not just in professional facu- faculties like uh, Amin, uh, studying medicine. We need to be masters across faculties because... We're clinging on to conventional jobs. Mm. And as a result, we're suffering a great deal. Because there are other ways to help your people through, you know, cultural, con- um, social conditioning
1: through yeah. films, If, if I was, politics. If I'm so just going to jump in quickly. I mean, you might ask, you know, who the hell is that man? Like the medical student, it's not really a scene. Um, but I think this is something, you know, I'm echoing exactly what Twin said. Yeah. Essentially, what's going on is Muslims these days, uh, I wouldn't even just say just Muslims, but a lot of um, people of colour, BME background based people, they don't get pushed into these sort of industries. They don't get pushed into the creative industry. They don't get pushed into the, the social sciences, uh, humanities and so on. And a lot of these, you know, academics, filmmakers, journalists, they are the ones who set culture narrative, essentially. A medic, 100%. a medic like me, who's going to become inshallah a doctor, inshallah. Um, an engineer, you know, which the Muslim community is full of doctors, engineers, lawyers, uh, lawyers, and so on, standard um, professions. They're not going to change. They're not going to change the narrative. They're not going to create this sort of condition, which is conducive to the development of the you know minority communities. You know Where what's
0: interesting yeah. about the three professions you just mentioned. It was only in the colonial times that jobs in minority communities such as medicine, law, engineering became popular. Reason being, whenever colonial countries took yeah. over a nation, say, for example, India. So Bangladesh would have been a part of India back then. Yeah. They used to offer high salaries and good working hours if the natives trained up to be doctors, engineers, so on and so forth. So they could aid the colonial force. Mm-hmm. So be a colonial doctor, colonial engineer, so on and so forth. Mm. Prior to that, it's funny because what was most heralded in those communities were scholars, artists, yeah. poets, yeah. so on and so forth. So the shift that we see to conventional jobs, that was actually
1: implemented by our colonial masters. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually know that part. But I mean, another reason why we get pushed into these fields as well is more the... I say, especially in the UK, or is is more the financial security and social stability it brings you. My parents are obviously immigrants from uh, Somalia, and obviously they don't have any sort of professional qualifications. So their first, or their main, you know, goal or objective in life was to get me and my sister to a point where we're both working in long term, stable, professional jobs with a high income. Um, which is you know inshallah we're able to one day do um, how, but, we, and, and, but the issue is that so many of us have the same mentality that this the first generation our parents that have come in are all doing the same thing and you know what we need to do is now think about what our children and those beyond us are going to do are they going to get into the creative dis- industry and set the narrative to create a more conducive society environment for them Or are we just going to continue doing the same thing and allow other people to control the narrative? I mean, um, one thing in particular I wanted to pick up
0: on is when you talked about financial stability, financial security, right? Now, this might seem illogical to the viewers out there who aren't Muslim. But in Islam, we have this concept um, called risk. Now, what risk is, is provision. That can literally translate to the amount of money you're going to make, the amount of food you're going to have, the housing you're going to have, the children you're going to have, the clothing you're going to have. Any sort of provision that comes from God. And we believe that it's written for you prior to your birth. Okay, so it's written for you already. A big part, when I went to uni, initially I was doing accounting for two weeks and I decided to change. Yeah, That was when I was making the decision. I was still torn. But... Essentially, I decided, you know what? My risk, my provision is already written for me. I am going to study what I enjoy and study something where I can effectively make a change, where I can maximise my potential because I want to strive in it Mm -hmm. as a field. And whatever comes to me will come. At this stage in life, all I want from my experiences is I just want to pay my bills and I want to you know, inshallah, provide for my family and I want to make change. I want to make change for us in our community, in the world at large, maybe make a hit film or two. But the main message I wanted to finish off with with regards to my motivation to study film is I believe it can expand your reality to an extent which no other medium could and it could help us Gain a sense of empathy and get closer to problems we're far away from, whether historically or physically in this day and age.
1: Yeah, I never actually finished my reason as to why I got involved in this podcast, I just kind of spoke a lot. Oh, yeah. It. So, but, um, but my reason actually was um, was really just to do something different, I guess, was to, um, you know, if I can't contribute through my knowledge of media and film, um, you know, I haven't got the theoretical knowledge, for example, that Toon will get as a, as a film undergrad, at least contribute in, in sort of helping create the platform for others to learn about what avenues exist in media, exist in journalism, exist in just the creative industry in general. What, if I'm interested in this field, what sort of people are out there that I can speak to, that I can hear from, what pathway did they take to prominence? And how can I be involved in creating a more positive narrative for future generations? Yeah,
0: and I mean, I think one of the major reasons why I wanted to get Amin uh, involved was because, you know, Allahumma barik, I'm going to gas him off a bit here. Oh, no, Don't no, let no. it get to your head. No, you Amin, was, Amin was there for me at a time where I was dealing with a- uh, academic uncertainty. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't even know if I wanted to go to university. So it was through, you know, Amin's guidance as my academic tutor and as you know the older brother i see him as that led me to eventually decide to go down this route as well as you know hamza and hamza's father as well shout out to them too but i'm just gonna i've got the twitter thread up now of when i initially drafted the idea and i put it forward to the public i won't lie this is
1: gonna get some like two comments five likes yeah same here retweet, but, you know let's retweet let's check
0: how many I got three hundred thirteen votes in the end, which is a lot given my following. Yeah, yeah. It's more than my following. Whoever voted and didn't follow me or Snake, I just want you to know <laughs> that. <laughs> so I around, mean
1: man. I mean if we wrap up this episode with like a mission statement. <laughs> I guess the mission statement would be, um, we're out here to try and help guide the youth... No, actually, I'm guessing i Go on. Okay. Think it
0: is? Amin's, Amin's going to tap out here. You're going to tap out, yeah? Tap out. Tap out. Okay, he'll tap me in. So, essentially, the idea that I had... I was too scared to pursue it. Um, I had too much self-doubt. And unfortunately, I am a very, very lazy person. And I'm trying to combat that by taking on more than I can chew. Biting off more than I can chew. And I feel like that's been working. I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. <laughs> But um, now I'm at university, I've seen the general demographic of the creative arts and media faculty. majority of them are white and I go to a majority Asian university. So upon seeing that, I thought, you know what? I myself as a brown boy, I have no idea how I'm going to get into the industry. There's going to be a lot of struggles for me as well as a Muslim, given Mm -hmm. the restrictions I would face. And I wouldn't necessarily call them restrictions. I'd call them guidelines. That I'd have to follow Um, so I couldn't go to my white lecturer and ask him for help and advice from a from the perspective of a young brown boy or the perspective of a young Muslim boy even they can't give me that help whereas you know my white peers they can happily do that and there's plenty of opportunities for them to get involved in that wouldn't necessarily go against what they hold to be morally correct Mm. okay so this idea then became a necessity and I felt like I have to start this podcast. The point being, I can give an insight into at least what I do as a film student. I can potentially get on guests who can give an insight into their professional creative industries. Um, I can get on guests who are, like me, amateur creatives and discuss with them their motivations, how they got started, how they deal with you know issues such as, I say issues, but I'd say obstacles such as family. If they are pursuing it for, you know, a career. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to build a platform for us creatives to support each other, to know about one one another, you know, to build a network whereby we can easily reach out to one another. We can collaborate. We can grow together because in all honesty, I've been talking about changing the narrative a lot. But before we even get to changing the narrative, we need to create the network, we create create the a network
1: and we need to support one another. Yeah, for we any need... for any change to happen in any society, um, or for any sort of um, you know, when you're seeking rights or when you're seeking anything, voices are stronger in unison. So, creating a union. I mean, why why do you think unions exist? Yeah, TFL have a union. Exactly. Doctors have a union. I'm guessing lawyers have. A, everyone has a Students union. Students have a union. Students <laughs> have a union. Teachers have a union. And the purpose of the union is to speak on their behalf and to fight for, you know, their rights and to help them uh, accept accept people of their own and give them guidance. And so essentially what we're trying to do is facilitate that union, you know, a virtual union. Yeah. You don't have an office block yet or, you know, or Inshallah, one day, but I... L- Soon come membership card. <laughs> Soon come. First class delivery. Yo, Consists who's going to
0: sponsor us though still? We need to get sponsors. Anyone rich out there? follow me dm follow me dm me i'll send you my paypal details <laughs> <laughs> like <those> <laughs> yeah, trust me trust me trust me anyways yeah, yeah, yeah. none of that none of that
1: keep, keep yeah, it pg yeah, yeah. so yeah guys that was please engage with the podcast
0: engage with it make sure that you follow our socials which i'll post on my personal account soon if you want to follow me on twitter it's at urban without the a so u r b n underscore alpinist so um
1: spell it alpinist
0: alpinist spell a l p i n i s t um, alpinist alpinist alpinist
1: okay i'll right. kind
0: spell it i'll put it in the description as well um on
1: instagram i'm the urban alpinist uh, Amin, do you want to drop your socials? Um, my is are interesting, but it's basically my name, uh, Amin uh, at Amin underscore Habib.
0: He's an OG Don. He got the he got he got straight there with the Amin underscore Habib. Yeah. Or there's not many. Or there's not many Amin underscore um, Habibs One object. of a kind, actually. One of a kind. Swear yeah. down that thing. I, I would agree with that. Oh, my you. You're glowing in that. Thank Probably because the lights are off and the laptop screen is just glowing on your face. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the first episode. Make sure you share it, make sure you like it, make sure you subscribe on whichever platform you are on. And inshallah,
1: we'll see you next time. And I'll end it with this tweet that I read. It was a brilliant tweet. I'm really excited about being part of this podcast, right? And that was ever since I read this tweet. And the tweet went along the lines of the millennials version of starting a rock band. Oh my god, podcast. I know I've heard this. One. That, that is a great tweet. So basically,
0: me and Amin are out here to be the biggest rock band since.
1: slash podcasters. slash podcasters since. Since the turn of the millennium.
0: Swear down. That's, that's kind of a mad statement to make. I don't know if we're going to live up to that, inshallah. Never know. Anyways, um, oh yeah, one last thing. Last thing before we go. Jazakallah khair to um, Ruku. Um, of the group chat podcast for lending us his mic um, sure, make cool. sure you check out his podcast if you haven't done so already but you probably have because um, or the sisters probably have because they all his voice is a fitna bro it's a very okay. big fitna I didn't his laugh made it to I'm Just Bait oh wow and I'm Just Bait got deleted did it? Yeah. I was. When I made my Yo, Instagram. Yo, we keep trying to end it. That the, was like the <laughs> first page I was told to follow because of the Because apparently they kept. Well, I say apparently, but it's true. They kept catting uh, tweets and that.
1: That is true, though. That that Instagram and Twitter, like, it's literally a. Anyway, we, we're elongating this. People need to. Elongating, yeah. This involved. is
0: how you know he's the academic here. Man goes elongated. Not longing it out. He goes elongated.
1: <laughs> Alright, Amen. That Thank was you. episode one. Thank you for allowing me. To use your home. Thank you. Hopefully this is the start of many beautiful podcasts.
0: Inshallah. Okay guys. So now alaykum rahmatullah. I have been your host
1: to him and And I'm in Habib. That's the
0: creator's block. Episode one.
1: Yeah.